Welcome to Leadership Insights, a podcast produced for the University of Southern Queensland's Master of Business Administration. I'm Dr. Daniel Maddock, a digital pedagogy and media specialist and part of the MBA design team. In this podcast, we talk to leaders from a variety of industries about what it means to lead, why their leadership identities matter, and how they leverage their leadership identities for career and business success. Some of these interviews were recorded via the internet, so please keep this in mind as you listen to this episode. This episode focuses on personal brand. How do people see you as a leader? Having a clear personal brand can help advance your career, but it can also create impact through an industry by communicating your expertise and identity. Nia Yari Giam, Jaganba, Na Gayabu, Yarawa Peoples, Nia Toowoomba. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Giyabul and Yarrawa peoples in a place called Toowoomba. As a marketing guru, Nick Pritchard knows the importance of brand. From senior roles with advertising giants like Mojo to running his own agency, Nick has brought Australian staples such as craft into the modern era through rebranding them as artisan. Over the years, Nick has refined mainstream and direct marketing sensibilities to be applicable to areas of brand internal communications, change management, and sponsorship. Nick leads a team of 28 staff in his very personally branded advertising agency, Nick Did This. There is no better person to discuss the importance of personal brand to leadership. Nick Pritchard, owner and creative director of award-winning agency, Nick Did This, welcome to the show. Good morning. Nick, um, can you tell me a little bit about where you started in the industry? Uh, I was, uh, I actually did a fine art degree over at Queensland College of Art and uh, was a practicing artist for quite a few years before deciding that it was time to uh, look at commercializing what I was actually good at um, and being craft, um, you know, all of the artistic uh, endeavors that I'd been pursuing and actually gave um, McCann Erickson, an agency in Brisbane, six months work experience for free to um, to really um, give them a understanding of what I could actually offer, but also for me to get under the skin of the industry and see was it something I actually wanted to get involved in. So from that uh, was then um, taken on board as a full-time producer, TV producer there. And, and then you eventually moved on to, well, one of Australia's great advertising agencies, Mojo. Yeah, I did a couple of, uh, of, of steps sideways before I, I was lucky enough to be poached by Mojo. Um, after being a producer for so many years, I got really itchy fingers about not being creative. I was the, the glue, I was the, the, the doer, but I wasn't the creator. So I did award school, which is an industry, um, a 12-week course uh, to get myself um, familiarised and under the, in the radar of creative directors in town. Went to an agency called BCM uh, and then from there was was uh, poached by Mojo to head up the creative in their direct marketing arm at that time called uh, Publicist Dialogue. And your current role is in your own business, leading your own business. How do you think, you know, your background as an artist and then moving through those roles you just discussed took you to the place you are now? The uh, I, I had been very lucky to work at quite a few of the big multinational agencies in Queensland, uh, but my moral compass kept on spinning out of control. Uh, being an artist, you are uh, always um, under the eye of making sure people expect you to be the most authentic um, that you can be, and your work is meant to reflect that. Uh, working in the uh, in the industry, 
it it made me understand that a lot of large organisations don't honour authenticity or um, honesty when it comes to building relationships and delivering great work for clients. And that really got under my skin. So I resigned one day and decided to set up my first agency called Dakota, which was a brand and direct marketing agency. And so yourself then is is very present in your own business, like you're escaping other businesses in order to make a business that you truly believe in because it's reflective of your own beliefs. It is um, unbelievably reflective of, of who I am as a person and what I truly believe in. And I believed that, um, that by starting up my own agency, I would be able to, um, to offer um, a home to like-minded creatives and strategists and account service and PR people, a safe place to be themselves but not feel compromised um, and be able to go home every night and feel that they had actually done some good. In past leadership roles that you had in Mojo and other agencies, did you have to deal with that and within your team as well? Yeah, I, I feel as a leader, um, the, bu- the buck stops with you and that you must always be um, the best example of how you are expecting others and what you are fostering through your leadership in how they are to, to um, deliver. And when I was working in the larger agencies, uh, I, it was very conflicting because my personal brand did not align or fit um, well uh, into the, um, the more financially driven um, methodologies and mindsets that those large agencies need to have um, in order to survive. So for me, it was the opportunity to take what I had learnt and I, these, the, those agencies made me who I am today, but they actually made me more than anything realise what was very important um, to me about being authentically good um, and authentically my best self every single day and have more control on building an environment where I could foster that and help others uh, Um, live that truth as well. Did you find when you were leading in those agencies that your staff that you were leading in your particular group also had those types of conflicts? Horses for courses. The advertising and brand and PR, all of those creative creative industries, they attract a a real variety of different people um, with different motivations. Uh, We find that generationally, um, as the different cohorts come through, there's always a new flavour or there's always a new direction that is driving kind of these hordes of people through. So um, the guys who were in my generation, I mean, I'm nearly 50 now, uh, we were pretty lucky that we were very aligned with what we wanted, who we wanted to do it for and, um, and what mark that we wanted to leave um, and what our legacy would be. And that's why at my agency today, I have curated the most insanely talented aligned team who are all people I have worked with my whole career, not just agency, but I've also convinced clients to cross the great divide and come over this side, the fun side of the relationship as well. So with your agency, Nick did this, it's it's very it's a very personal business. I mean, you've named it after yourself. So you know, how do you how do you sort of describe your personal brand? Uh, it's actually been described for me so many times by so many different people, and the consistent words that uh, that 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 do pop up a lot is, 
I am proudly known as the nice guy in town. Um, I will never, I will never um, uh, stuff someone around. I will never, um, I think I'm the only um, leader who drives an agency who hands money back to clients if they don't spend it. Uh, though I think the um, there is a amount of irreverency and randomness that is balanced with a very firm belief in doing what's right and blending science and magic together, creativity and strategy, um, smashing that all together. But probably randomness is something that gets described as not just me, but uh, the work environment. I believe in building a very creative um, workspace for everyone to be inspired. But yeah, I mean, there's some other words being thrown around that I don't think are quite um, relevant for this show. (laughs) But, you know, Nick, how does that brand express itself in practice? I, I firmly believe that you do not need to wear a mask of any sort in when you are working with your peers, presenting to clients, co-designing with suppliers. Uh, so I feel that um, that I have always been that person. I had um, quite a lot of tragedy early on in my life where I was uh, moved out of home very young and uh, actually lived on the streets for a little while. And it actually taught me to be um, unbelievably resilient, but also to know that you you are in complete control of your own destiny. And from that, as I grew and matured and and realised morally where my compass was pointing and what I wanted to achieve, that I actually had the power to not just keep that in me, but to be able to share that and build environments and build businesses and build amazing relationships, long-term relationships with clients where I get to play every day. I get to solve international and, and national and local problems um, without having to compromise who I am. And I believe that uh, to build an environment and a business that fosters and shares that with everyone uh, is, for me personally, um, that is my legacy that I'll be leaving. So what's a Nick did this solution to uh to a advertising problem the first of all um the firm belief that a good idea can come from anywhere that it isn't just uh the creatives it is the it's the clients it's the receptionist it's it's absolutely anyone and you must be open to that so ego has to take a back seat every single day you can still be unbelievably proud and stand up for what you believe in but um, if ego, negative ego comes in, you're uh, in my world, you're set to fail. So, you know, you're Nick and your business is Nick did this and you're the leader of the organisation. Are you always right? No, I'm not. I probably am the first to um, acknowledge that I don't know everything. But what um, one of the gifts that I believe that I get to use that I have is crucial conversations at every moment to be able to have those opportunities to really understand what a problem is or an opportunity that needs to be addressed and solved first and then being unbelievably open to lots of different ways that that can be solved. they then using science and intuition and creativity and strategy to jam together and identify what is that catalytic moment in the middle, and that's the solution. But again, being a direct marketer as part of my first 
um, um, creative role of a CD of, of direct marketing, a test, learn and refine has been drummed into me as a methodology uh, which transcends not just DM but every single medium that creativity gets to harness every channel, which is always acknowledging that nothing is always right forever. You know, again, we foster this belief that you need to be able to sway, you need to be able to shift, you need to be able to um, make changes that are right, not feel that your way is the only way and that's it. How do your staff know to come to you then? That How do your staff know that you're open? How do they learn how to work with you? I am a, I bring, there is no two nicks. I do work every day at bringing my authentic self to work. My authentic self, which is my, I suppose, the way we do the embodiment of my personal brand is um, there is no hierarchy in this business. I make sure that everyone has equal access to me. Um, I embrace cross-table conversations, open plan. Anyone has, anyone within the organisation, any client, um, any supplier who um, is part of a Nick family um, has access to me 24-7. I make myself available whenever anyone needs me. And that starts from day dot. And I know that, um, I mean, I've been in the industry for, gosh, for nearly 25 years now. I've never not been that. So I think when you do, even though we all evolve as leaders and we all evolve as as humans as we mature and different influences come into our lives, I feel that um, once you're comfortable with who you are, you do need to make sure that you, you, you keep an eye on that and you protect that as well. So what's your leadership identity then, your sort of recipe for yourself? For myself is um, I do a lot of self-reflection work. Like I said, I'm the first to admit if I'm wrong. I can, you know, one of my other gifts is I'm the ultimate tap dancer. I can sell ice to Eskimos, um, which is a double-edged sword because you need to make sure that you don't fall, you know, you don't um, convince people what is right. Um, So I'm constantly self-checking to make sure that I am self-reflecting, making sure that um, what we are creating as an agency, whether it is a TV commercial, whether it is an internal communication strategy, that I'm constantly challenging myself and challenging my team. Does this feel right? Does the science back it up? Um, How does the client feel? Why do they feel that way? Maybe there's an unsaid truth that hasn't come out yet. So I'm constantly questioning absolutely everything. I don't question, well, I try very hard to create those critical conversations where we have a in-the-kitchen conversation about it. You know, I'm not a big let's all sit down in the boardroom and formalise this because as soon as you put structures and bring the guardrails in too tight and are led by processes and structure, you kill creativity. So I try and make sure that um, I'm always looking for new ways to have those conversations and to constantly challenge and question ourselves, so much so that we've actually worked on, on you know, weeks and weeks on creative campaigns. The client's been on the, um, on the journey with us. Something at the last minute might not feel right and we tell the client and we explain why. 
And then we, it is our responsibility to be as nimble, as quick, as thorough to rewrite the ship and make sure that we don't let anyone down. And, and that is, a, a, I suppose, a big, a big thing about not just my personal brand, but what I try and imbue through the whole agency. We never say no, ever. Having such an open communication, uh, flexibility um, and approachability um, to your identity is um, amazing um, to, to, to lead that way. But it's also, as you were saying before, something about leaving ego at the door that, that everyone has value and all those staff know they have value and so they're all quite happy to discuss things with you. And it's not something that you see a lot in well, certainly large corporations. No, there is a, um, through both of my businesses, I've, I've been in a really lucky position to see the difference of growing large and shrinking down again to small. And I do believe that for my personal style of the way I like to lead and to, to again, make that authentic um, experience available and owned by everybody, there is a size limit. There is a there is a a critical mass. I have grown um, my last business Dakota bigger, and it became clans who would fight internally, um, with best intention. But I think it's just human nature. Um, I have then run very. I've run this business when I when I first started this one very very small. And I didn't have enough of the right people around us to make sure that we could build a sustainable, commercially based business and still protect that the intent of what type of business I wanted to run. So we're sitting at around, we flex now between 15 and 20. That's it. I will never, never grow bigger than that. I will never, ever go smaller than 15. Because I need the right people. Because if you can imagine where my I am only one part, the name of the business might be Nick Did This, which that is a whole other story. I didn't even come up with that myself. Um, the ability to allow the business to be led by me in a way that actually means then that my my Nick my my Nicksters are equally responsible for the delivery of the brand experience. So, you know, it is, it might be my name, but it is not me who is responsible for the success of the business or the development of the awesome work that comes out or the, uh, the beautiful strategy work that flows out of the agency as well. This is something, Nick, that's really hard. I want to know how you make sure that all your team is on the same page with you, at least most of the time, especially when it comes to delivering to the client. Because I've always found that something that's really, really difficult in a corporation or a team to make sure everyone's trying for the same goal. We have a very simple set of behaviours called the nickisms that um, that the business has been built on. Um, these were created collaboratively with the whole agency, so it wasn't just me. But the guys um, actually unpacked me to work out what was it that attracted them to the business in the first place? Like what was the, you know, what was that incandescent little thing that made them want to come here um, and stay? Uh, they then developed these series of behaviours which we live and breathe every single day. So there are, even though you could look at us from the outside and we are, we are the loosest bunch of people you have ever met. 
We are the most ragtag team of crazy and smart and irreverent and inappropriate and absolutely everything together. But we have these these nickisms which really stick us together and they are the sense check. So that's that's kind of the framework. We still have unbelievably tight procedures and processes that make sure that we still deliver as any business should. But the, um, the most important part is I may be the leader, but I do not solely lead the agency. Everybody leads the agency. Everyone understands where their roles and responsibilities are. We have some great um, diversity in the types of personality. So people are attracted to work here for, for the purpose, but they are still allowed to be. I have some, I have an amazing operations and traffic manager who I bought in from Germany, who in a, the most beautiful um, German way is the most fierce protector of the system. And you do not dare deviate <laughs> from the system. But the way that she delivers that is in a very Nick way. It is always with a firm hand and a smile and a laugh at the end of it. You know, I, I have probably the most, one of the most talented strategists that I have ever come across in my whole career. And she leads with a unbelievably um, tight belief in by through personal development and by always um, being working on yourself she can help deliver a team experience that is then priming all of our team to deliver with the best intent um, in the best way, um, constantly questioning are they, are they doing this in the best way. So I've got kind of so many moving parts, but the nickisms, the invisible nickisms are what connect all of us together. I think if um, if a leader does not have um, a, a personal brand that isn't something that they have gone to a seminar and laminated onto themselves, or they've gone and done landmark and come back and go, this is um, I'm not going to adapt this. I am going to just you know wear these masks of leadership. Everyone can smell that out straight away. So if you are a leader who just laminates how you think you should behave as a leader rather than living your own authentic leadership style, people will never follow you for the long term. It is very short term. And we've seen this roll out through so many of our clients when they go through restructures. Um, one large financial organisation that we've been looking after, well, I've been looking, I've been on their books for 22 years now in Queensland, have had so many restructures when the right leader comes in who truly emanates this embodiment of we are a team. I will represent you and protect you, but I will help you be the best you can be. Um, the organisation flourishes. As soon as someone comes in who doesn't understand or has this idea of how they should behave within the organisation, people leave, literally rats from a sinking ship. So unless a leader can resolve 
and truly own a leadership style. And that isn't saying my my leadership style is purely mine. Like I would not fit in other organizations because I might be my style that I will be, I will honor and be true to, um, might be too loose, might be too irreverent, might not fit the organization's brand. So I think it is, it's it's really making sure that you fit you you as a leader and your leadership style has to be delivered so authentically, but you have to fit where you are leading as well. So you, you, I mean, clearly you have a strong personal brand and and a very good understanding of that brand, but what do you think, what do you see are the impacts of that brand sort of, you know, in practice on, on your organization? I believe that I am unbelievably consistent in the way that I deliver um, because again, inconsistency and look, we all have ups and downs as leaders. So obviously there's being, you know, glitches in my style, though my personal brand is all about, I'm not always right. I always need to check myself. I need to confer with my guys and check in and how is this going? Um, so I, I feel that my personal style of brand, um, allows everyone to almost, still be inspired and led by me, but still feel that they are allowed to be themselves and that I am the type of leader that is happy to evolve and shift as well as the world evolves and shifts. And COVID has has delivered that to my business in particular. I've had to lead in a different way, not changing who I am, but to evolve my leadership um, my my leadership experience to match what is actually happening that I can't control around me. Because a leader has to acknowledge you are. It isn't about actually being in control. It is actually about leading and having and building and fostering an environment where everybody takes responsibility for the steering of the ship. I believe that is what true leadership is. It sounds like you're almost working for your team rather than your team working for you. One hundred percent. I hate. I will never say that I have people working for me. I will always say I have these guys work with me because I wouldn't have a business if I didn't have all of these amazing, you know, um, skilled, um, smart, um, emotional, crazy people around me. It just works, and I think so. And my my way of leading is to embrace that not try and stamp it out, you know? So it is, it's, it's, uh, but again, that, that means you have to be flexible as a leader. You have to take risks sometimes. You have to own it when it doesn't work, which sometimes means you've got to make some really tough decisions to keep the business on track. You shouldn't compromise. I've had, I've made terrible um, um, recruitment decisions here that have jeopardized, you know, which people will um, accept and, um, embrace because Nick obviously sees some something in this person that will add value. But when it doesn't work, I'm the first one who actually has to cut it because my my role as a leader is to protect the team, not to sacrifice the team for financial gain or for um, personal you know, um, opportunities and things like Nick that. Nick did this has been running for quite a while. How has it changed you as a leader over that period? I have learnt that the more diverse set of people that have joined 
the organization, I have learned so much. I have learned one, um, how to evolve as a leader from my youngest, newest team member by looking at things through a totally different lens. Um, I have been uh, shown ways that I should really improve in the way that I behave from one of my most senior staff. Um, so it, it is the, um, I have had to, uh, I am not a fixed moment in time in this business. So I actually have to evolve and take as much in as I give for this business as well. And that is one of the secrets, I believe, of this business. Not once through COVID, not once through the ups and downs of clients coming and going, things that you can't control. I can, I can honestly say I have never, ever been worried about the business because we attract, we resonate, I think it's such a really cool way that I try and make sure is well understood and lived and shared every day that it is, you know, we are, we're in such a great position. Can you tell me about your personal brand and how that helps you be strategic um, with your business? So I think when, when you talk about personal brand, I, I think for me, the way that I interpret that is my personal brand is actually um, my behaviours, my outlook on life. And all of that has been is sort of built on from those formative years of when you're a kid, what the ups and downs, and then also the, the choices, good or bad, and decisions that you make throughout your life. It means that I have had to, um, through my life, even if you look at my email signature, um, my title is Eternal Optimist because my life has led me in a way where to survive, I chose never to look on the negative side of things. I will always try and find a positive. Um, now that can sit up in the ether and can sound quite fluffy, but because of the team that I have around me, we can translate that energy and that mindset into unbelievably pointed strategic programs for our clients. It also allows us, optimism is um, contagious. So part of my role as a leader, not just of my team, but as working with clients is to lead their teams as well. Um, we do a lot of culture work for a lot of our clients. So I get brought in with my guys to um, hit reset buttons inside organisations to understand what is wrong and help rewrite a ship or really start to foster and reignite passion or belief and understanding of what that organisation's purpose is. Now, my personal brand of eternal optimism um, delivered in a sometimes random way, like I'm, I'm the guy who accidentally swears way too much um, in every meeting. Um, I'm the guy who will hang out with or, or ask for the receptionist to come into a, le a ELT leadership meeting to get an opinion on something because I'm not doing it. It's not a show, but it allows us to connect and deliver unbelievably super smart strategic opportunities and directions in a way that allows our clients um, and their customers to relax, be very, very open and accept it. And then I, I love, I, my, one of my big sayings is I really love robust conversations and I've got a really thick skin. I love to foster with my team and with my clients, it's okay to disagree. Like 
we need to constantly be, we're in the industry where we must be so relevant at every moment of the day. I will never be the, um, the know all of absolutely everything. So challenge us, challenge me. Let's, let's, let's create these moments where we are always co-designing um, together. I want to move now to um, the digital world and how personal brand is reflected there. So, you know, within your organisation, what platforms, what tools are you using um, at the moment to communicate your personal brand? Yep. So, the, um, so again, my personal brand um, is delivered through my personal um, Instagram and Facebook account and LinkedIn. I am, again, the most unprofessional person in a very professional world on LinkedIn with the because I will not I will not change the way that I write. I will not change the way that I describe when I'm delivering something that I believe is of value. I'll just do it as I do it. Clients and um, we always promote um, access to my personal feeds through the business, and I always push my through my personal feeds to the business channels as well. So at work, we traditionally. Uh, we use, as everyone does, uh, LinkedIn, which delivers our longer form, more opinion pieces, thought leadership pieces. Um, we use Instagram and Facebook more for the flavour, for the brand personality. But it's not just me who creates it. Everyone authors content. And again, it's not then someone authoring it and then putting my name on it. We always honour whoever has created it. So much so that we created so much noise on LinkedIn because we were posting, my guys don't agree on things all the time. So we did a whole series of the disagreements <laughs> that were happening on popular topics in the business. And so through COVID, for example, um, one person believes that we shouldn't actually be using the word COVID because we're breathing life into it. It's not important. We got them to move past it. Another person went, no, 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 we should be talking about it. We should be using a language to help everybody understand the context of what's happening. So they wrote two conflicting opinion pieces that we called, you know, the butting of the heads. So again, that is a very, we aren't always polite. We will, we will kind of, we're warts and all through our social channels. There's, there's a, um, dogs and children are a big part of this business as well. So they appear, they have a voice, <laughs> they are everywhere not because we're trying to be funny. It's just kind of the weird stuff that happens here every day. So again, we can be serious, we can be irreverent, but um, but it is through those traditional social channels, though we make sure that we always understand what audience is using what channel as well. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mixed bag out there. It sounds to me that you don't um, sort of ascribe to the uh, formulaic approach to communicating your brand that you often read about if you go searching on websites, you know, how to do these things and will say, you know, you've got to do this, this and this and write about yourself in this way and you follow that formula. But you don't do that. No. Like I think we, we sit in a sweet spot where our brand, which is in our, with the, the business's brand, which is just an uh, interpretation of my personal brand and the, the way that I lead, is about authenticity and you can't read how to be authentic in a book. You actually have to just let yourself be authentic and it's a risk. It was a risk that I took to build a business based on, you know, my, the way that I, I really believed for me to be true to myself that I, would have, that I would lead, you know, but it paid off. 
but I think it's consistency too. And you'll see, um, and we've all worked or we've all um, come across leaders who aren't consistent. And you can kind of tell when someone's read the latest book on something because their language starts to change or suddenly they're talking about, you know, this thing and you can see that they've been influenced by something and, you know, um, I'm still influenced by everything that I see and everything I read, but I don't just spit it back out. It almost goes through, it's called the dictionary. That is an agency-wide term of how do we, how would we say it? Do we actually believe it? Or what's, how do we actually you know, deliver it in, in the most authentic Nick way. And that has, the dictionary has been built on how I want the agency to, to resonate as well. So again, I have to make sure that I'm the best example of that. And that's what a leader always has to do. I think that, um, and I should reframe that as I try and be authentically good, authentically honest, um, because you can be um, authentically bad. Um, Hitler was actually a very authentic man <laughs> to himself. But um, I feel that personally, um, where I started with what was always making sure that um, I led through being unbelievably authentic. Yes, I'd be lying if I didn't say it now becomes a checkpoint for me um, to make sure that we have started on this path. It is a conscious decision to stay on track. The thing that I will always pull, though, is I am the overarching guardian as the leader of this. So I will pull communication before it goes. I will... Um, um, tack left or right if I feel that we aren't being authentic to the brand as well. So I still believe that is my responsibility to, as leader, to drive the ship and make sure that we're always doing that. So yes, it is a conscious decision. We just never use it as, it's not a, how are we going to be really quirky with this? Like we, we don't go through that process. I think that's really, that artifice is seen through really, really quickly. So we're only, um, we can still be the most serious um, communicators if it's relevant because that's delivering, um, authentic, you know, in, a, in an authentically right way as well. How, how important is having a social media presence, having communications out there in a digital space? Ah, okay. We get asked this a lot, especially from our clients. Uh, digital is one channel. So it isn't the end all and be all. It became a go-to because of the cost effectiveness of being able to communicate um, through digital means. Um, SMS um, killed physical direct mail for a while. We are seeing a flip back to that because people are looking for more connected ways to have conversations. Um, it is important. It is not the only answer. So, for instance, when we are doing, um, when we are building cultures within other organisations, um, we're a big um, a big believer in um, having people understand the power of picking up the phone and making a phone call opposed to just sending an email. We are really um, big on reinstilling face-to-face -face, um, rather than just a website and outbound SMS messages. So it is important because it allows your, your brand, whether it's your personal brand or the brand of a business, to literally it's a scattergun effect. You can get, get a lot of stuff out there very, very quickly and adds flavor. 
it is not the only way that you should be embedding um, your 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 brand um, into the hearts and minds of your people, um, and also into the hearts and minds of whoever your customer or member or community actually is. Have you seen an example either in your own business or, or you know, especially in your clients' businesses, where that has been mismanaged? That social media presence. Oh, all the time. We um, we have we've made many mistakes on social. Um, by not being aware of what other conversations might be out in the ether, that you might be in the wrong place at the wrong time um, and just actually potentially fuel a negative sentiment rather than a positive. We've made that that mistake early on very, very quickly. Um, We have seen organisations who do uneducated media buys and place um, their ad in a digital environment where the ad next to it might be either a competitor or a diametrically opposed conversation. Or worse, in large organisations who have and I'll, one, of our, um, one of our big clients who have many different, if you can imagine, mini brands within the one business that are talking to the same person and they'll have two ads talking about the same thing in two different ways on the same platform. So cannibalizing their own brands. So it is digital is a very, it is a gift, but it has to be um, well understood and part of a, of a conversation. And you've got to keep your eye on the ball all the time because once it's out there, it is out there. You know, so you've just you've got to be so careful. So, what advice would you give to our students in the MBA in terms of managing their own um, presence online and their own brands online in these digital spaces as they're coming up to look for leadership roles? I would say um, go through, as flaky as it sounds, go through a bit of a brand audit process on yourself. Sit down and work out what do I really stand for. What do I really think my enduring purpose is? Um, what type of industries do I want to get into and why? Really go through um, the process of self-analysis first and always look through the lens of, but what's really me? You know, what is it that is truly authentic, important to me? And how can I use that? Because if it is authentically you, um, it is going to be a lot easier to go and lead and present yourself in market, present yourself through your socials, create um, thought leadership pieces if it's actually coming from you, not through a filter or a, or a lens that is something that you feel you have to be. We see, we see it a lot with, um, with a lot of graduates. We do a lot of graduate programming here. Like we literally, it's an open door policy if anyone wants to come and hang out and understand the industry. And there is, it is amazing to see those who come in and assume they have to behave in a certain way. They have to lead themselves in their behaviour in a specific way. Now, I know that um, sometimes that is part of a learning um, process that universities actually foster. We've had certain university kids come in here and when I've really broken them down and challenged them about why do you really think that you should be treated this way or why are you talking to me this way? And when you get to the bottom of it is 
well, one girl in particular, um, she said, but that's what they taught us at uni. They said that we had to be, you know, self-assertive and, and really, you know, and really go-getters and tell people what we want. And I said, that is so true. That is that it's the way you deliver that. So you can be the most forthright, um, driven, um, career-focused person, but if you try and wear a mask and, and emulate someone else's leadership style, those who, are tr- who, who you need to like you, therefore employ you, we've been through all that. We can see straight through it. You actually annoy us. <laughs> so if you can actually come in and be the most driven career focused, you know, really someone who's going to make a difference and you can show me or anyone that it is part of your DNA and the way that you deliver it feels and is emulated in a way that is so authentic, you, you are going to attract, you're like a magnet. You know, people love that. We sniff that out. We all do. We know when someone's not being themselves. We say it to our friends all the time. Hey, you okay? You're not seeming yourself. It's the same thing. You just need to learn to deliver in your authentic way. So where mine is authentically good, I, I, I live my life by trying to be good um, and do good. Someone else's might be authentically driven. Someone's might be authentically um, sharp and witty. Like if that's you, that's you. Don't change it. But make sure too that as an employer, don't think that if anyone comes across my desk, I don't Facebook you, LinkedIn you, Google you, Instagram you. I, that's the research of the day. No one believes the recruitment agencies anymore. We, no one, I can tell you, no one does. We do our own research. So if you are presenting your authentic self on social media and you walk in and you're a totally different person, because you believe you have to, to, to show me that you can lead in a different way. I'm not going to touch you. That, that does not, you know, it does not compute. So it's consistency. You know, you can be the quietest, most efficient, most powerful leader in the world if that's who you are. So it's really honouring. Go through the process. Work out who, do you, who are you? Not, who, not just who do you feel you have to be to achieve and move forward. Nick, we're just going to wrap up now with some questions that we ask uh, everyone who comes on the show. Can you tell me what what do you think um, is the difference between leading and managing? (laughs) So I think when you manage people, um, I hate that word, by the way, um, I feel that you are almost assuming that they need to be managed. Um, A leader has people following them because they are consistent and they are leading with direction, and they are leading um, and emanating why they are leader. If you have to manage somebody, just semiotically, that just builds this whole totally different paradigm of, well, obviously you aren't doing what you are told, therefore I must manage you. So we automatically go, we are pre-programmed through life. If I'm being managed, that means I'm, uh, I'm not as good as I should be and I've got to abide by these rules and, oh, it means I'm being, obviously I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not um, being the best person I can. Like it's just, it's terrible. So a leader needs to be so um, true in their purpose and have, have delivered a, a leadership experience that is so authentically them that people will follow. That's a leader you know, and a leader too isn't always at the front. You've got to remember that. A leader can actually be at the back and have this 
this, you know, a, a team who are empowered to move forward together as well. What do you think senior leaders do that's different from, you know, managers or, or, or leaders that have smaller teams that are sort of further down the business? I think that um, that's a really tricky one. Um, I feel that my gut says that those who continually rise to the top, not through tenure or, you know, playing the game, um, I think that they are the leaders who constantly self-reflect and evolve and that they are um, open to um, everyone being part of part of a solution or part of a team. I think that is a that comes with experience. I think the more mistakes you make, the better leader you become. Um, though I truly believe you should only make a mistake once, you know. Um, but um, uh, people who manage sometimes people are quite happy to sit in this to sit in that moment and just plateau. Um, I think a true leader also, if you have a desire and a purpose to create change, and that can be big or small change. Um, and you can, again, you have all of your ducks lined up in a row and you are um, authentically delivering you and it is proving to be successful, you naturally are going to rise, rise to the top. What does it mean to you and for your business, but also just for you as a leader, to be strategic? Um, I think we're all, as humans, we're all strategic every single moment of the day. I think that the for me personally, though, um, I am not... Uh, I am not strategic for the benefit of myself. Um, I will be strategic for the benefit of the team or for the client. So um, we are strategic in every single thing that we do. Every decision that we make, good or bad, is part of a strategy. Um, I personally, though, don't look too far forward. Um, I don't do a lot of um, of long-term planning because I acknowledge that there, um, in today's world more than ever there are too many moving parts. So my strategy is to literally be nimble, be responsive, be honest, be truthful, um, be willing to um, take risks. That's my strategy rather than, you know, and you've met those people, right, where they actually have worked on a strategy of where they're going to get to in 10 years' time. I mean, I've had I've had graduates come in and say to me, um, "I want seventy thousand dollars a year starting salary. I'm going to give you two years before I'm heading to New York, where I'm going to start up my own agency. I'm going to then merge and sell to." But like, world does not exist that way. It's great to have dreams, but you've got to work out your strategy on how to get there. And to, the way to get there is to is to not think too hard about it. Is is there a problem with leaders then who are strategic? for their own purposes in order to get higher positions and, and so forth? They're the leaders that you will find see in their CVs seem to move around quite a lot. It is not sustainable because you cannot build an amazing team around you to help get you where you need to go. If you are the type of leader, and we've seen them, we've worked for them, who have an agenda uh, and that agenda is all about their self and their career, they they just don't last, you know, because, again, as humans, you want to gravitate. You, we want to be part of something. And if you aren't prepared to, if you are going to use people to your advantage, which a lot of leaders do, there's a lot of collateral damage for those who move um, with different, motive, you know, with probably totally opposite to my motivations. Um 
they just don't they might go far but are they happy uh, are they happy that having when they crash and burn having to move to another organization or another state and it happens more than you realize just look at linkedin go through if you are the person that keeps on moving every two years i would be stopping and looking at yourself and going why am i doing this like is this really going to get me is this really going to make me happy because titles and money do not make you happy. They are not the only thing that makes you happy. I just want to ask one last question about personal brand. Is there a risk in having an authentic personal brand and being very open about it um, and having that then connected to, of course, the work you do? Is there is there a risk in that that you could be crushed from yes. failure? Um, it's not crushed from failure. I think it is a, for me personally, there is a difference between my personal um, beliefs and opinions. They aren't the only things that make me um, want to strive to be really authentic. If you are really stubborn and you try and drive a, a, your values into an organisation or you try and drive your agenda into an organisation or you behave in a certain way, You've got to remember there is a, a commercial side to what we do. So it is finding the balance. It is how can I be me and still remember I'm running a business? So, but again, it's once you work out that balance and it's always going to shift, there's always, there's always you know, um, different influences, different ways. But if you, are, um, if you aren't the stubborn person who says, I'm not going to do that, because that goes against my belief set or and, and consistently do that and almost use it as a as a bit of an excuse you aren't going to get you're not going to get that far you still have to be respectful that the world is full of many different things many different people many different opinions um, you can still be you and accept that you don't need to take it home and change you but respect i mean it's business you, ha- you have to make sure that you um you stand up for what's important to you but you still remember you're running a business and as long as you don't compromise that you fall on your sword for some stuff but you know you can't let it um you can't and we've seen it before we've seen a lot of small agencies start up and there was one that even used a swear word as one as part of the name of their business they thought it was so funny and they were all about F the system, wear this, come and work for us if you want edgy stuff. And no one worked with them because everyone went, are you serious? Isn't that going to offend everybody? Like, it, you know, they just didn't think about it. So you just have to be careful. Information about our guests can always be found in the podcast show notes in your podcast app or on the course site. This has been a University of Southern Queensland podcast produced by the Office for the Advancement of Learning and Teaching.